0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As if they don't have too much on their place. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast trying to wait. Talk about the things they did that day they analyze
1: the work of Vince and Triple H Rewind a Smackdown 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 Hello everybody, I am John Pollock Along with Wei Ting And welcome to Rewind a Smackdown I think Way, what we're going to do Is that you're going to review SmackDown, then I'm going to review SmackDown, and then at the end, you and I are both going to review SmackDown, and it is going to be our two out of three reviews podcast.
0: How would that sound? Sounds like it would take a long time. But, that's um, that's the point. No, maybe enough time though to to fit some uh, resets. Commercial breaks in there in between. Yes. Well you have to reset. You have to reset. Yeah. I don't know what a reset entails, but you need to have one. Um both men back at the corners, you know, just like the like an MMA. Or boxing. Is that what happens though? Do they get cornermen? Do they get some water? Do they get some instruction from their, their cornermen? Well they get time. Uh no instruction and complete chaos. Um, basically, like, this intermission time, any anything goes. You could, like, you know, there's no disqualification. That's what the, the intermission is. I would love to watch uh, a NASCAR race. That's what I want
1: to see Vince McMahon get into is, like, car racing with the same edict. So they've got to stop their cars for the commercial break. And then we'll restart the race when we come
0: back from break. Oh, wow. That'd be awful. Well, yeah, what you're trying to say is that um, not all sports abide by this, right? I don't want to upset the race car. What what do you consider, like, NASCAR? Like, is that a sport? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So what do you say? I I don't look at it as
1: a... um, like I'm not I'm not not degrading uh car racing, but I mean it's it's also typically sports are dictated by a clock or a certain structure, such as innings or periods, where you are going to have those breaks. Whereas a car race is just it's nonstop. So there's really no natural break other than you're gonna dip out of the action and come back and resume.
0: Right. Okay. Um, no, other other sports are more tailored. Golf for doesn't. Golf doesn't have that. Doesn't have a clock. Yeah, golf. Golf does not have a clock. Correct.
1: I mean, baseball doesn't have a clock, but it has a natural break
0: in between innings. Right. Yes. Yes. Whereas uh, racing is really kind of a sport of endurance. Um. So how do they take breaks? They just take them, right? Because you know you're not going to get a yeah. finish until like the end.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know when to take your your breaks. I mean, right. if you're on lap. 40. Right. You can, you're going to work in your breaks. You're just going to take them at a, you consider a, hopefully you're not going to miss something crucial, like someone passing somebody.
0: So, so what would you say, what sport is, is actually the closest to what professional wrestling is? In terms of presentation? No, just in terms of like the, you know, this, like a, a a competition between two people, uh, with no real set stop time whenever the match ends it that's when it ends no breaks no quote unquote resets no rounds just kind of like a free-flowing you know free-for-all competition until you have a decisive victor sumo there are plenty of resets in sumo though I feel Sumo's very fast. And it's well. very fast, yeah. Like, it's not going to yeah. go 10 minutes. What would be a really good comparison uh, that that would be a natural comparison to wrestling? Any come to mind for you? I mean, like, a lot of... There are obviously a lot of combat sports, but, but almost all of them are, I think, you know, don't end, like... Don't take that long. Whereas wrestling, I mean, you know, it could take... It doesn't have An to, hour. though. You're in control of it all. He's
1: right. Yes. Like, like a car yeah. race, you can't speed it up anymore. I mean, pro wrestling, you can make it whatever you want. You're in control like you, of it. You're, the- you're in control of every aspect of it.
0: Absolutely, you are in control. I mean, we have a 24-7 championship, right? But but at the same time, like, how do you differentiate the matches that you see on TV from the matches on pay-per-view that are supposed to go 30, 20 minutes? What's the just, how, how do you explain that difference? Why are people Sorry so say much, that again, how do you well, why are people so much easier to beat on TV versus why does it take so much longer for people to for matches to end on a pay-per-view? I mean that's I mean there there's a certain
1: suspension of disbelief that's like that that's always gone back.
0: Um but I think you need a good explanation.
1: I don't know how many people are really critical of that of that element that television matches are shorter, pay-per-view matches are longer. The
0: same I people just, who are probably critical than we're getting wrestling in commercial breaks that somehow ruining the whole thing. I think with the commercial
1: breaks, I think it was more so it just interrupted, uh, the flow of a match. And I, whereas a five minute, I, I think reset, that now that it? we're seeing such an opposite effect to it, um, y- you can argue like, which is more of, a, um, of a hindrance to it. Did you find that tonight was a easier, uh, Uh, Easier
0: presentation than Raw was? Absolutely, I did. Yeah. I feel like tonight they managed to find a way to make it work better. Um, I think part of the problem with some of these two out of three falls matches in the past is that they would just simply be like two straight falls, like a two out of three falls match with no other reason than to just insert a commercial break in there. Here, I felt like the two out of three falls matches were actually used to dramatic effect the way that a two out of three falls match should be used. So, you know, you had, you know, basically like your typical two out of three falls, two two even uh uh people going into the the last uh, bout and then you know a sudden death um finish. So, I I liked it more and also the fact that only two of them took place on this show versus like what felt like every match having either this stipulation or an elimination stipulation in the last 3 iterations of Raw and SmackDown. I think it helped for me on this show. Yeah,
1: Um, I I would say that Like, unless you're going to do matches with rounds I would say two out of three falls are probably the easiest to work into this this new format that they're doing Uh, I do feel two of these matches felt like too many on this show and I do feel people will tire of these two out of three falls matches Um, I I think it would be beneficial that if you are going to do these uh, I'd limit it to one especially on Smackdown, I think you can get away with two maybe on Raw and certainly mix it up a little so it's not always um you're getting people into a formula of one fall, this guy, one fall, that guy, and then the deciding fall
0: well, the formula but this prior- is all this is all a work in progress, oh yeah, very much so I mean last I feel like the last two weeks or last week they they didn't do this at all, like it was always just two straight falls, so I felt like today was them kind of changing it up. How about for us in Canada that had to suffer
1: through? Two wrestling matches going through the commercial breaks. We didn't get the picture-in-picture picture for those two matches. Oh, took me right out of it. I was done. Couldn't watch like, it. What what happened to the match? There's no reset. Yeah. No... No, no care for their Canadian viewers. Yeah. And probably other international viewers as well. But the USA Network fans, they got to see
0: those matches in their entirety. Well, um... You know, again, they have a lot of masters to serve uh, and, and they're producing TV that has to fit into, I think, um, you know, formats across uh, the world, not just Fox, not just USA. So. you're can, can you imagine the. Level of. Complications
1: to be on that team and structuring these shows together like I really my hat goes off to
0: the people on this team that are Trying to make all of this work. I mean, it's best they can. You know, it really is, I think, the difference between wrestling for a major corporation that has, you know, uh, obligations to so many places across the world and wrestling on an independent wrestling show that might be putting out a DVD uh, where, you know, you have complete freedom to basically, you know, do whatever you want as an artist. Whereas this is much more, you know, commercially driven, literally.
1: Is it? I I feel like after this week, how can being the elite not do some spoof on this next week? Yeah. I feel they've been given
0: plenty of material this week to make a great episode next week. Well, I mean, you know, um, that aside, I I find it really interesting to see how AEW will be presenting their television. Um, How will they manage to provide, you know, decent length, satisfying TV matches while navigating this commercial thing issue definitely absolutely i mean was right. it was not always an issue in the past i think they would just, just probably take commercials like nitro used to i think that they would um
1: i mean they do have jim ross there that i mean granted he's not one of the executives in the company but i mean he has been very much outspoken about commercial breaks during wrestling matches but sometimes i mean if you're It's one thing to complain if a match is 10 minutes and you stick a commercial break in there. I mean, there's ways you can work that in so it's not interrupted. But if you're putting a 20-minute match on television, that's really hard to go 20 minutes without a commercial interruption. It's just the reality of presenting a a pro wrestling show on on a cable network. So... They're going to run into that problem,
0: and and I don't see them going this direction. It's not just the cable network, but, you know, like, Sky or, like, I'm talking with WWE, and, like, you know, all their international markets have, like, these three-minute chunks that they probably can schedule blocks very easily for. It's, I think, much more difficult if you, you know, I'm sure, like, WWE can go go to Fox and can go to USA and say, hey, can we cram all of our commercials into, like, one 10-minute chunk? Obviously, the advertisers wouldn't be too pleased about that, but... But, I mean, they're going to have to, like, fill those 10-minute chunks with other broadcasters, too, and around the world. And I imagine that to be maybe a bit bit more difficult than that it sounds. How about this idea? Commercial-free Raw every Monday.
1: Remember that? I do remember when they did that. They've done that twice, I think. They did it on Christmas a few years ago. And then they did the... The Donald Trump time, like 10 years ago.
0: I guess those must have been real nightmares for international markets and replays as well. But, you know, they would... I can't there. remember what they did uh, during during
1: those ones for their you... other market. Like, even in Canada, I feel that they didn't have commercials uh, for the Canadian broadcast on that last one they did. I think that was about two years ago on mm-hmm. Christmas that they did that. The first time they did it, they got a huge number for that show. Like, it did very well. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just not... A viable strategy like it makes no sense for your network to do that all right let's get into the show itself uh and let's speak about what is coming up this week wait do you want to uh give everyone a preview of what is up this week
0: absolutely. you've got a lot of shows coming yeah absolutely tomorrow first of all we have the british wrestling experience our friends martin beno jane uh it, it sir do you know the the, the group that's hosting this week It is all three of them, and this is a
1: really packed show that they have. Um, Not only are the three of them going to be all together, they're going to be joined by uh, John Lister, uh, a noted wrestling historian, author, columnist. He's going to be chatting about the WWE-BT sport deal. They're also introducing a new monthly segment they're going to do on the show with uh, Andy Ogden, who is going to be going through some of the lesser known promotions in the UK each month and what's going on with them. So he's going to be a regular, uh, each month on the show. They're also going through a mid year report with the best and worst, uh, of the British wrestling scene from 2019. Uh, Jamesy was at the OTT card that we talked about on Monday. Uh, he'll give a live report on that. So it's a packed edition of the British
0: wrestling experience on Wednesday. Wonderful. And then on our Patreon feed, we have our double shot that John and I will be doing. um, we're going to be stop like uh, shelving the double shot for the duration of the G one. So this might be the second the season one. finale. Oh, this is the last one for for the season. Yes. So um, what are you going to talk about, John? I'm going out with a bang. We will have a review of the
1: Alexa Bliss 365 special, and I'm traveling back to 1997 for one of the greatest wrestling episodes I've ever watched. From? what? Where in 1997? This may be the Raw going into the In Your House that you and I are about to review. Okay, so... Let's just say this year, WWE is pushing for an Emmy Award. There is one character on that Raw episode in 1997 who goddamn deserved an Emmy Award in 1997. So you can look forward to that. This is
0: (laughs) one of the most amazing two hour wrestling episodes I've seen in a long time. Thursday, we got up next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. Uh, John and I will be back on the cafe hangout with Davey and Abraham for double, double plus patrons at three o'clock. Also on Thursday, that'll be up on Friday for everybody else. Uh, Friday, as John mentioned, re- review way number 39 in your house, Canadian stampede on our Patreon feed. So, uh, tune in for that Saturday. I'm going to be back here with Davey for a live AEW Fighter Fest post-show live for Double Double Plus patrons and then up on our main feed immediately after that. WH Park is back three times this week. Saturday, he will, of course, be doing our Cruel Summer G1 Climax reviews. 1999 comes out on Saturday morning with Matt McEwen. And then Sunday, it's uh, G1 Climax 2000 with him and JP Houlihan. But WH and Chris Thunder from Down Under will also be up with a review of New Japan Pro Wrestling Southern Showdown. Uh, that'll also be up on the main free feed for free for everybody on Saturday evening. All right. A packed, packed uh schedule we have
1: at postwrestling.com. And I want to alert people that Way and I, uh, first of all, we have opened up our G1 climax contest. It is up postwrestling.com slash G one is where you can go. It's free to join and make all of your picks for every G one match, and we will be keeping the uh The updated standings throughout our G1 coverage, which will begin on July the 6th, and that will be a free show. And then throughout the summer, we are going to be doing reviews of every single G1 show. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you will have access to every single show. So for the month of July and August, uh, tons of content coming your way if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Are you doing any special training way? Are you getting into G1 shape as we are... Uh, inching closer to July the sixth.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm uh, n- gradually increasing my caffeine intake, uh, because I'm I'm sure I'll, I'll be needing it. But, uh, push ups. Do push ups every morning. Bit of meditation because I know ne- I need to be sharp. I need to be mentally focused. I'm more yeah. than ready. July sixth is when our G1 coverage begins. So if you're uh thinking about jumping on the Patreon, this is probably one of the best months to do it. You- you'll be getting more bonus content than any other month and if you're going to do so uh you should do it July 1st cuz um if you join right now you're you will be charged for this month so just a word of warning it's kind of like new japan world yes
1: um and
0: we will be continuing
1: with rewind away throughout the G1 uh the only show that we won't be doing during the G1 is the double shot and that will return once the G1 has concluded so lots to look forward to in that respect all right, let's uh, move over to the news from today, and I'm just going to ask you right off the bat.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> I know what you're about to say.
1: Where, where is your level of tolerance when it comes to Seth Rollins uh, and, and his, t- and just his story, not so much Seth Rollins himself, but just uh, oh, well. this story. I more so want to talk about this interview he did, uh, less so than the Twitter stuff, which I think is just kind of being blown way out of proportion.
0: Well, I mean, he's more than doubling down. He's just kind of, you know, he's all in, um, which is totally fine. It's just, you know, I guess it's it, it's to some people it's entertaining. I'm sure to him it's just like, whatever. I, I don't take much of it seriously. It's just like. Do, do you think it's a, a worse look because, like, I don't think he
1: said anything like all that damning. It's like whatever I, I don't know I, I haven't really been I don't know if Dam- I don't know if
0: damning is, is really the word, but he's you know,
1: looked bad. But, he's but, looking but, bad, but, but, but him, I, I don't think this is anything that is um, you know catastrophic.
0: It's not nothing catastrophic as long as he, he goes, goes out there and puts on the, the performances that he's been known to put out, I think his reputation will always be more than fine it's It's simply though that you know like his initial statement was meant to be somewhat provocative. And I think uh, probably perhaps as a form of self-defense for all the negative publicity that his company that he is uh, the the top man representing at the moment has been receiving lately. So I completely understand it. But I think it's one thing to say, hey, like, you know, stop talking shit about uh, uh, our show and another to say we are the best. Uh, All these other people, including, you know, this other company out in Japan with a little guy who's not so little um, compared to Seth Rollins, especially. Um, I think that was maybe, mm, it, you know. He, he's looked really bad with, with Will Ospreay, which
1: is quite the feat when it comes to, I mean, Will Ospreay has been in this role times 10 I in think, the past.
0: I think the worst tweet was probably him saying, you know, Will Ospreay basically came back and said, you know, I, I wrestled more matches than you. And then Rollins coming back and saying, I make more money than you, as if that's any type of, you know, um, that's not even part of the discussion, really. So he came out of it kind of looking not really doing him himself any favors. But as we mentioned, like the man is still one of the best wrestlers alive. I, I don't know if he's the best wrestler alive, but he he's still one of the best. And as long as he puts out great matches, I don't think I think everybody will still watch. Well, I I, I just look at it that I think
1: this would be received much different if, say, this was. I'm
0: trying to think of who would be, it doesn't Aaron even matter. Corbin? But the, uh, sorry, who? Sorry, I'm not, I'm really not sure what your point is. But, sorry. Are you saying, are I, you saying if
1: somebody else said these words? I'm saying, given that Seth Rollins is your top babyface, he's one of your make a wish guys. Like, he is, like, this is very much, uh, I, I think, a bad look for your top babyface. That, I mean, this is a guy that I think has a lot of credibility amongst uh, this fan base and you've you 've pretty much healed yourself to this audience, now granted, I think that's going to be fleeting, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, I think it 's a bad look for him over these past twenty four hours that it's he's coming across as you know like an adolescent on Twitter that's yes. just uh, not coming across like a professional,
0: yeah, whether or not he truly believes you know he is the best wrestler alive, I mean that's besides the point in fact, he should think he, he's the best wrestler alive, I guess he was I fe- have no issue with that. I have no issue with two guys. That disagree and both feel they're the
1: best. Like I want to hear that from guys, and I think fans are to the benefit of. Hey, I'm the best. I'm the best, and yeah. we're both going to go out and show it. Like I have no issue with a professional disagreement on each skill set. Both should have that level of confidence at this level,
0: right? But I think it was also the way you know he kind of belittled the you know uh, Will Osprey, who um, again calling him little guy and ca- calling him poor essentially. That um, really was, like, not the right way to go about the argument, I think. If you, if you actually want to have an intelligent discussion, I'd, I would love to see that. But this became anything but.
1: It was all kind of the insults that you would expect, like, some established talent to have labeled Tyler Black 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, look at your size or look at my bank account. And it's like, to hear that from Seth Rollins. And again, the size is, anyway, it just What's has up? gotten silly. You wanna talk about that Sports Illustrated interview? Yeah. So he did an interview with Jimmy Traina of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. And he immediately brought up the Twitter comments and addressed the fact that, you know, the the biggest the, the biggest voice in terms of this has been John Moxley and the comments he's made. And Rollins went to say Ambrose can do what he wants. He's a big boy, he's got his big boy pants on. He can go out there and say whatever he wants, but the bottom line is not everybody's equipped to handle the rigors of WWE and the schedule and how it affects you mentally and emotionally. And Ambrose gave everything he had to the company for the entire time he was here. He put his heart and soul into the travel, the schedule, the into the injuries, into the work in the ring, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, brace for it, way he took his ball and he went home. <laughs> or he went elsewhere, at least. And I think it's a little presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk down about the company that gave him such an opportunity. Now he does, he does kind of backpedal here and acknowledges that he's a good friend of his. He loves uh, Moxley, but does acknowledge he has not spoken to him about these comments, but obviously he was very upset about these comments that Moxley was making about what he believes is his company. So I can understand that. Um, Oh my god! Man, the the taking your ball and going home line was just—I mean, it's like WWE staple. It's one. I love that line.
0: I like. I'm surprised. Like he didn't in that interview say like he he got on his rocket ship and left the universe or something like that. But just it comes across like he was just. been he's a man who's been fully indoctrinated in like this corporate think and this corporate way of speaking. And maybe he should like he's the champion after all. So. You know what? What other type of representative would would you get? I just don't see though, like your prior representative, somebody like a John Cena reacting this way. Uh, even a Roman Reigns, I don't necessarily see. You know, lashing out. I I would say kind of in this like, maybe, I don't know, kind of bratty, aggressive, uh, manner. To me it does seem to Roman's suggest, a great example. He's he hasn't said a peep in yeah. the last twenty four hours. He hasn't chimed in on any of this. To me, like it does maybe s- seem to just suggest that, you know, I I I would believe that somebody like Seth Rollins perhaps was legitimately hurt listening to that podcast or or maybe reading a transcript of, of of you know Moxley's words. And I can I can understand that because like those interviews did not make the WWE and the environment within the, the WWE seem like a very good place to work at. And Seth Rollins obviously has a very different idea uh and, and a di- very different experience of working within these wa- those walls um so he's right to you know i think express his feelings um the some of the terminology though d- does definitely strike me as something that i don't know if a normal human being would would say i think that
1: i'm never gonna fault someone for being honest and that goes for both of these examples i think no one has come out and decreed that what john moxley said was inaccurate it may not have been their experience in wwe but no one was disputing that that was moxley's experience that he went through all of these and he had he cited every example he went in great detail and never did he come across to me as someone that was bitter it was someone that was very frustrated with his experience and he laid it out in pretty great detail over several hours over two interviews and I'm not. Even, I'm not going to begrudge Seth Rollins for not just giving some canned answer about John Moxley here. He was pretty open about. Like you can read between the lines here that he was pretty pissed off about these interviews. So I'm never going to fault someone for being honest like that, like with their their true thoughts about
0: a company or in this case with one of his friends. At the same time, though, I really would love to hear like what Seth Rollins would have thought specifically about some of the things that John Moxley did bring up. Like what was John, what was Seth's thoughts of, on the Roman Reigns leukemia lines, you know things that that Moxley uh, addressed that I think a lot of the audience would agree were were in poor taste. Like if Seth Rollins is going to come out and defend the company, where's his defense for things like that?
1: That's that's to me what this answer is lacking. Is it just seems as if he he gave a very general kind of uh, explanation that. Ambrose
0: couldn't, handle, couldn't it here. handle it yes.
1: and didn't address one issue he had. And I wish that uh, he addressed any of the specific issues he had. This was a guy that was the guy that was like the workhorse of that was doing the most house shows every year. This guy was the Iron Man of this company two years in a row. And he spent many years and you can say a lot of things about Ambrose. He handled that schedule and as much as anybody from 2012 onward for seven years and that, that's a hell of a long schedule to to take so i don't know it's like if you had an issue with the overall tone of it um i don't know it's like none of the specific complaints were really addressed here
0: yeah i mean I, I i you know overall i i think it's it's up to like uh the court of public opinion to kind of determine who's being the most honest, and who's maybe just kind of towing the the, the company line. Um, I think a lot of people have already made their minds in regards to who who wins this argument. Um, but you know, if you're Seth Rollins, I I can see you feeling the pressure to defend the company.
1: And that that's what he's doing, and I, I don't doubt he was pissed about the interview. Um, I, I think both can be uh, accurate, but it was interesting that he went into that. Uh, this interview also does contain uh, a bit of his thoughts on introducing the relationship with Becky Lynch onto television. And I think as most would assume, it seems like both of them had their reservations about doing this. They only started dating back in February, he notes. And he said, they're not going to do anything that they are uncomfortable with on television. And even brought up the fact that, you know, real life relationships being brought onto TV in the past in this industry have at times been uh, scummy as he (laughs) Uh, quoted, but he was really happy with the reaction that Becky received and how the show ended at Stomping Grounds. So that was kind of the, the gist of the interview, but the most stuff that's going to be focused upon is his response to Moxley and basically doubling down on all of his statements that he made on Twitter that he's uh, tired of people ragging on the company and not realizing how much they do. They don't see him at all the live events, performing multiple times a week, and the fact that they have media obligations that they have all this travel and that they also look like athletes and not jabronis in shorts
0: doing high spots wow where did that come from jeez i mean i know where it came from but like this is a guy who used to be one of those dudes i or I at be... least be pegged with that with that brush whether oh that God. was
1: necessarily an accurate uh description of people not in
0: wwe Um, yeah i mean you know i and i like uh, lines like that i mean i i I can see people looking into it as like okay rollins is like you know he's deliberately trolling the audience deliberately playing heel i I guess i just don't know i I
1: don't buy that i think that's such a i think that's such a a cop-out to when when someone looks bad and just be i'm just working everybody it's like no you're coming off badly and there's really no to what point game to this exactly
0: like what's so, the what's the purpose of the, of, of doing that?
1: I, I think whenever you get that oh I'm just working, uh that's kind of the I, I'm coming off really badly here. That's usually what that translates to. Um anyway. So I will uh I'm afraid to to keep up to date here with this, this story. Uh maybe maybe Seth is gonna have some radio silence over the next couple of days. For
0: everybody's sake, I hope so.
1: All right, uh, what else? We had the raw number from Monday night. Um, not, I, I would say, the second week in a row where disappointing because this, you also had the fact that no sports competition and you're coming off a pay-per-view. And this was the second lowest post-pay-per-view bump that they had all year, uh, just behind the Fastlane show back in March. Uh, they were only up 1.8% from last week, 2,276,000 viewers their fifth lowest number of the year. Um, they didn't decline as much uh from start to finish. And do you think that the experiment that they did last week, way, where they they built the show around Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, and then this week Ricochet and AJ Styles, do you think that having that that those style of matches, main event, is kind of a, a good idea to try and hook people for the three hours that you're hopefully going to get um a solid match at the end?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I, think it's always nice to end the show on a peak um, to end the show on the most anticipated matchup of the evening. It just seems to make sense to me. I mean, it doesn't necessarily kind of hide the ratings trend, though, which continues to be very disappointing. I think the rating that you saw maybe last night is indicative of how little interest there was in stomping grounds, how little interest there probably was coming even out of stomping grounds. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily see it improving unless you had a big name attached, let's say, you know, a Brock Lesnar or something for your next few shows.
1: Uh, we also had the Kazuna Road Show on Tuesday morning, Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Yoshihashi. So he will remain in the G1 climax and also introducing this new submission, which if you want to see what it looks like, uh, I used it as the graphic on the... S- on the main page today um, that you can check out. But he essentially worked on Yoshihashi's knee throughout the beginning half of the match and then transitioned to the arm. So this finish, it looks like he's setting up for orienteering. But then he kind of moves and takes his legs and applies this figure four while he's also kind of uh, bridging Yoshihashi and turned it into this cool-looking submission. And I bet he'll have... A tremendous name for this, but it looks like another
0: submission in his arsenal going into the G1. I think anytime Zach Saber Junior. D- um, uh, creates a new submission finish, part of the draw for me is to listen to <laughs> how John Pollock will translate it to uh, verbal form. How will he? <laughs> I, I had to watch this one like three times to, to really get audience.
1: the uh, the technical uh, breakdown of this thing. I I almost had to call Robin Black.
0: Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't know if Robin would be able to describe it. Like, I mean, part part of me just thinks that it's like Zack Sabre Jr. like pulling on limbs and then t- twisting limbs until he gets like something that looks really interesting. And then, oh, okay, what's what's my favorite band of the of the month? I'm gonna name it after that. This is like like what I would do when I was like rolling in jujitsu,
1: not knowing anything of what I was doing and just grabbing and trying to do something that, unlike Zack Sabre Jr., mine were less effective. In wrestling, you, I think you'd be a great submission wrestler, John. Maybe. Uh, so, no Yoshihashi in the G1. And, coming courtesy of Pro Wrestling Sheet, reporting that Jinder Mahal has been signed. Five-year deal.
0: Could have been top AEW prospect, top New Japan prospect. Another time five years uh for Jinder Mahal so
1: anyway that's our contract news let's move on to Smackdown from Tuesday night in Portland Oregon and most of the crew has already taken off because the Smackdown crew I believe yes it is this I guess it's more so the uh I mean it's talent from both ends essentially um a lot of the talent was heading over for the shows in Singapore and the two at Sumo Hall later this week. So it was kind of um, a mishmash of talent that was left here. So less uh, names than usual that were available for SmackDown.
0: Are they still doing um, same-day house shows? On on which? The Mondays? Like Nor- yeah, Mondays.
1: No, they, they did one a couple of weeks ago, but pretty much no. So those are done. Uh, They're it, essentially they are like there hasn't been an official ruling that they're not doing anymore. But I mean, it's very rare now that they do the Monday house show. It's like they've they've canceled many of them to just make all the talent available for Mondays. Mm, OK, so cool. it seems like something that they're not going to be actively pursuing any further. The show started with a recap of The Undertaker's appearance on Raw. And then we cut to Shane McMahon in the back who said that Reigns was afraid of being humiliated. So he called upon the dead man. Shane fears no man, and they'll make sure that Roman Reigns is a dead man too. And he warns the SmackDown roster not to get on his bad side, because
0: I'm pissed. I think, you know, for what felt like a really scripted promo, maybe even a a teleprompter promo in this case, I'm not sure, I think Shane delivers them actually quite well, better than many on the roster.
1: I was waiting for this serious promo from Shane, and you cut to Tom Phillips who says, Roman and The Undertaker aren't even here tonight.
0: <laughs>
1: what a little dick. But no, it was uh, Stone Cold Shane delivering this promo at the start. Uh, and no one got on his bad side tonight, I guess, other than Miz.
0: Yeah, they weren't here.
1: New Day came out, and they promoted or earlier in the day. It is Kofi Kingston and Samoa Joe at Extreme Rules. Kofi is mentioning that he has had some of the greatest experience of his life. Since winning the WWE title. Um, I would advise him to stay away from Twitter. That would probably continue with those great life experiences. And then they recap Samoa Joe's attack. And Kofi called him a Samoan shark. And the and getting locked in the Coquina Clutch is like being in the jaws of a great white shark. So that's a hell of a survival technique that he had on Monday night to come back from this. I mean, uh, Quint didn't have this kind of a... Uh, Recuperative powers
0: in the first Jaws. Yeah, this was a a shark-heavy promo. It was. Mm -hmm. He (laughs) said...
1: Joe thinks he has found his prey, but I'll be damned if I'm going to let him eat me alive. I thought we were getting, you know, a cannibal match or something at at Extreme Rules. This was a lot about Covey being eaten alive that was the dominant theme of this promo.
0: Is it Shark Week or something?
1: Oh. On Discovery Channel? Um, I was going to make a jump the shark week, maybe uh, for mm. some of these commercial break ideas, but Dolph Ziggler came out and he said he, he did all the heavy lifting at stomping grounds and no one is going to step in and take his spot after he's, he has weakened Kofi to this degree. He won't stand for it. Kofi took the coward's way out by leaping out of the cage. Um, what was entertaining about this was that during this whole promo, Biggie was just standing there eating crackers
0: He's always got something.
1: Oh, he's keeping himself... Uh, ...fed. Yeah, or, or hydrated... ...with water. It's a long time out there for these promos. Probably He yeah. has a fast metabolism... ...keeping his body fueled. So they set up a match. Actually, Dolph just announced this. It was official. That he's got a match with Kofi... ...and if he wins the match... ...he will be added to the match... ...at Extreme Rules... And to make it definitive, it will be two out of three falls. Well, he had it all approved backstage. Okay. So he got all the paperwork done ahead of time. So he came prepared for this.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, You know, it's a match that I, I don't know if anybody really wants to see again. Kofi versus Dolph. But I think for a rematch on TV, you can't really be that upset at it. No, it was fine.
1: It was fine for a television main event. The Miz was outside Elias's office, or sorry, he was with Elias outside of Shane's office, and Elias warns Miz he's a dead man walking if he walks in there. And Miz calls Elias a bootleg Bob Dylan and threatens to shove Elias's guitar up the dark side of his moon. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. He tells him it needs to end between him and Shane. Before the Undertaker gets to Shane. Because Undertaker is going to kill Shane. So this is his last couple of weeks to get his hands on him. Miz takes off after he gives Elias that message. And then Elias delivers it to Shane. And Shane says Miz can have his match with him tonight. But first, he has to beat Elias in a two out of three falls match. Yeah. So we've got our four of six falls matches scheduled for later this evening. Where was Shane going to fit this match if Elias won or lost? Would the women wow. have gotten the boot? I mean, Ember and Sonia only won a minute,
0: so I don't know what you could have really canceled. Um, That's a great question. I think um, that probably will never be answered.
1: Out came Daniel Bryan and Rowan to take on Big E and Xavier Woods. They got the advantage on Woods earlier, and this is where they went to the commercial break after uh, Rowan hit this forearm strike. So those in the U.S. got to watch this match throughout the break. So I guess these, I guess they're continuing this on SmackDown on USA. You'll get two matches each week that still air throughout the commercial breaks in the U.S. And if you're in Canada, tough shit. You can imagine what's happening. Hot tag was made to Big E. He went for a splash, landed on the knees of Brian, who applied the LaBelle lock. Woods broke it up, drop kicked Rowan uh, to the floor, and then Big E fired up for the end. Uranagi to Brian, and then they hit up, up, down, down, and Xavier Woods pins Daniel Bryan.
0: hmm Yeah. I mean, Brian's been taking pretty much all the losses for this team, and I think their thinking is that Brian can't afford the loss. Uh, and that they would per- prefer to protect the monster in the group. And I don't know if it's actually wrong that they're thinking that, because Brian lost last night, and he's not any less over tonight.
1: I, I don't think it's uh, detrimental to him. It's it's when you kind of get into that rhythm that he's always the one to take the fall, and it's over several periods, and then all of a sudden you realize, this guy isn't as hot as he used to be. Um so I'd just be cautious about it. I didn't think if it's setting up a match, I really don't have an issue with it, but we've also seen Brian lose to guys and it hasn't led to anything.
0: Well, that's the problem when you have elimination matches in two out of three falls matches, people have to lose. And often it's the smaller man on the heel tag team. Yes. And
1: right after Biggie and Xavier Woods lost on Sunday, they win here against the champions. So that was kind of bizarre, but then Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn immediately run in and jump the new day. Then Heavy Machinery run down, and the baby faces clear the ring. The audience cheers us all on, and this led to an eight-man tag with Brian Rowan, Owens, and Zane against New Day and Heavy Machinery. Yeah. Rowan hit a superplex to Tucker. New Day made the save. Uh, Tucker fired back with this big clothesline onto Brian. Otis got the tag, and he hit the scoop slam to Zayn. Caterpillar, compactor, and Tucker is the one to pin Sami Zayn. So, I don't know what this is all leading to. Do you think this could be some multi-person tag program, or do you see one team
0: emerging from the rest to get the title shot? Um, I mean, because it was Woods getting the pin on Brian, I, I would think that that would probably be the match that you're getting to first. But, I mean, they could have all these teams together again. I mean... I I I the reason I I thought Brian and the New Day were in this eight man tag rather than just it being a heavy machinery versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens match was probably just because they wanted the stars in the segment. So I don't know if if I would look deep deep look at it deeper than that. Um, I thought both matches were solid brief TV matches. I, it it maintained the crowd's attention and energy throughout the both segments. New Day basically sat the second fall out completely um but it was a good showcase for heavy machinery i think the audience is starting to recognize the both of them um you know it was interesting also to me like to see that brian is pretty much back to wrestling as a traditional heel so people in portland aren't aren't nearly uh, at all as loyal to brian as people in washington it seems so but i'm liking all these teams i think the tight division is finally getting some new focus and if you take away the brand split you actually have a good number of awesome teams to mix and match now between both
1: shows, you got a great tag division. Um, yeah. I I, I just – we'll see where this ultimately goes. If you're going for a multi-person match, I can understand some of this. But, I mean, you went so strong with Owens and Zayn on Sunday, and then you just beat them like a drum on Monday. They take the fall here. I just wish they'd go with a team and just let them pile up some wins. Like, if you're going to go with Big e and Woods, great. Have them win Sunday. Have them look strong here and they get to a title program. Instead, I just feel like they trade wins and losses so much that you just get this giant middle that all these guys just find themselves in. They win one week, they lose the next. Or nightly.
0: Yeah, yeah. By this point, I've I've kind of forgotten about Owens and Zayn winning that match on Sunday.
1: It feels just completely removed after you watched Raw on Monday and they both lost to Kofi.
0: Yeah.
1: Nikki was in the back, and she's... Uh, this was actually a WWE.com video they must have shot the night before, where she's telling Alexa Bliss that she has set up a match with Bayley for SmackDown, where if Nikki Cross wins, Alexa will get another title match at Extreme Rules. And Bliss will not be able to be there to be in her corner because she has to fly to Japan, and she is very concerned about this because she has no faith in Nikki Cross.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Then-
1: Simple. It, it was, it was spelled out. I I enjoy these two. Uh, they've, I I think they're they're going somewhere with this, and I think they have good chemistry together. Then we had the Ali promo, which I watched much closer after your description of it the other night. It, it is pretty out there. <laughs> he yeah. can he he feels like he's um, he's like Peter Parker or something. I don't know, but he has curing abilities too. So he's also like uh. He's a, a deity.
0: P- He's a Peter Parker who manages to find all these terrible situations, but then he actually does nothing but walk past. Yeah, it's like he's watching. It's like he's their conscience. His, I think that's the idea. I thought I don't know if he's supposed to be visible. Maybe he's just supposed to be like a, like like again like an like a spirit, like an angel. Oh my god! What what if some character is going to be really about to
1: turn heel? But they're, they still have a bit of a moral compass. And then we're going to see Ali on his shoulder. And then on the other shoulder will be Bray Wyatt. And we're going to have, like, the, the, the good voice in your head and the bad voice. Maybe this is where this is leading
0: to. Wouldn't be surprised at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of this Ali video. Did you also notice, like, the person drinking, it was only, like, a few drops. They were not getting rid of
1: that drink. Ali probably doesn't want you drinking at all. Oh. Shane came out with Elias and Elias insulted the Portland Trailblazers and he loves none of you people. Two out of three falls, Miz and Elias. Miz wins. He gets the match with Shane. Our first fall featured Shane with the biggest babyface spot of the entire night. He tried to prevent Miz from doing a springboard. <laughs> And he knocked Shane away, and he went for the springboard anyway, and he got caught with a flying knee and the drift away and was pinned at 58 seconds of the fir- for the first fall. Um, Elias is in control. We go into the second fall. When Miz goes to block punches, which he seems to be doing frequently now, it is horrific. It is absolutely horrific. It would be like a bad kung
0: fu movie watching these things. He used to do them. I don't know if it was like... As a babyface or as a heel, but, like, it would be exactly like you mentioned. Like, almost like a karate block. Or wait, maybe (sighs) that was Ronda. Maybe I'm thinking of Ronda. Remember when Ronda did that? I think so. I think so. Um, I've never noticed these with Miz until the last
1: few weeks, and you cannot unsee these once you see it. No, they're very goofy. Yes. He hit the running knees in the corner, then sidestepped a flying knee response from Elias. Skull-crushing finale gets blocked. Hits a DDT, Miz gets a two, then he finally is able to hit the skull crushing finale. But Shane runs in, attacking the Miz, causing the DQ. The second fall goes five and a half minutes, so it's evened up uh, while Elias and Miz double team. Uh, Miz and, sorry, Miz gets double teamed by Shane and Elias. And they announced the referee is going to have to restart
0: before the third fall. So we come back. They beat him down on the floor. So so the restart, actually, they didn't go to commercial break for this one. We got to see the whole thing. And they use this break to basically uh, double team the Miz.
1: Okay, right. And so they then destroy him on the desk. Shane spears Miz in the ring as he does his Roman pose. And the bell rings for the third fall. Elias hits a top rope elbow.
0: And he pins the Miz in 19 seconds. I mean, these times are, like, just a technicality at this point, you know? This is like
1: uh, some, like, lucha matches where you just race through the first two falls, and typically you have the long third fall, but this was, uh, you got the long second fall
0: with a DQ in it. You had the long second fall, then I guess the long intermission where they laid out the Miz, you know? uh before yeah. the pinfall um so what is the match time
1: on this way i need to know this for my own sanity do we add up the three times do we just break them all up i guess you
0: have to add all- everything up oh my god i mean i don't
1: six uh, minutes and
0: 47 seconds of match time yeah i i just i don't know man i i i, I would tell you for your own sanity just to not even it. i think it. i'm just gonna burn my notes i think <laughs> that's what i'll do yeah you know i'm uh, um, but, uh, okay, like, I, I again, like, I feel like in the past se- a week, they, they've only done two straight falls for these two out of three falls. And here, I felt like by kind of at least having it even heading into the third one, you don't make the Miz look completely terrible in losing the match. And, in fact, by having Shane and Elias double team him before the third fall, you actually kind of protect the Miz. So, by the end of it, I feel like the crowd's energy was up throughout the whole thing. And we ended up getting like a 20 minute Elias Miz segment that I actually thought was thoroughly entertaining. So if that is the goal to have, you know, an entertaining Elias and Miz segment last this long without being completely boring. I thought that I thought it was a success. It wasn't
1: boring. Um, I wasn't as into the match, but it was, uh, do you think they're going to get to the
0: Shane and Miz match? No. feels like they have to at some I mean, point. They're already done. Like the Miz, Shane, well, the Miz cannot beat Shane. They've kind of established that over No, over no. Again. I think this is really slotted Miz at, you know, he's at a level, which I'm not even necessarily
1: disagreeing that he's at, he should be at a higher level than he is. Like, I think that he's, he's more over as a baby face than I thought he would be after
0: all these months. Um, yeah. I don't, know. I don't see him in that top tier. So maybe he should just be the, he's, he's, you know, the, he's Roman setup guy. Like, they, yeah. they clearly don't really have much it plans for, for Miz outside of uh, Miz TV. And uh, the occasional guy to oppose Shane as Shane faces Roman. I mean, it really is a feud that I think we've been seeing for way too long now. Again, The Undertaker coming in, I, it does freshen things up. But then, you know, you need guys to take the pinfall. And Miz continues to be that guy. Yeah, it could have been Roman and Miz at Extreme Rules. The,
1: that match? the Teaming. Oh, yeah yeah it could have yeah um Elias returned and set up Miz for the coast-to-coast dropkick Shane hits it and warns Miz to never come at him again
0: and yeah Shane just left this guy laying you know like throughout the commercial breaks I did notice like the crowd's energy much better in Portland tonight than like last night and I know like last night I've, I've read reports where they simply like would air commercial breaks with the darkened arena in between like when 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 they did these false starts and that definitely must have killed the crowd so i'm i'm curious to know if tonight was the same or if they would have tried anything different
1: well i mean in the case of like two of the matches they just simply had matches go through um i see it seems like it would have been less intrusive on this show being that it is the shorter show Raw, they also filled it with, like, promos where they were were coming out and cutting them on. And I heard from one person who, like, it really dragged by the third hour, like, Mm -hmm. with this the, the pace that they were going at. Kayla Braxton was with the returning Finn Balor, who she introduced as the extraordinary man who defeated Andrade in an extraordinary way. Which was, wow. At Super Showdown.
0: Yeah, what was I know? I know
1: he won. I didn't know what was uh, extraordinary about it. Yeah, what was? Well, he was a demon. That's right, he was the demon, and they they had a. I, I guess they had as decent a match as you could label from that Super Showdown card. He said he respects a competitor like Andrade. He was pushed to the limit, and he's asked about who his next opponent is. So Shinsuke Nakamura walks in, points to the title,
0: and that's our program. No complaints from me. Honestly, like, I mean, the the, sim- the more simple the build for something like this, the better. Um, Just tell me we're getting this match, and hopefully these two can go out there and have the best match that they can possibly have. Yeah, it seems, you know, if you're getting Extreme Rules where I think the top two
1: tag matches have received kind of a lukewarm response, but you throw in AJ Ricochet, Balor Nakamura, I do feel people are intrigued to see it, and it's a match that I think Nakamura is sorely needing at this point. Yeah, Um, I also. It's also very easy to get a title match. You just have to be out of, just hang out
0: in the interview position, and one week you're gonna get that chance, and you just gotta be the first one there. Oh, are you kidding me? Dolph Ziggler just came in from like inactivity for like months and got a world title match. So timing's everything. All these twenty four seven geeks, I mean, they they need to learn something from the masters here. You kind of, of, maybe you have to like have a certain amount of points stored up from like wins that you have to like like aeroplan miles or air miles. (laughs) You have well, Nakamura in. doesn't have those stored up I don't think. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, I it also makes me wonder, uh, no doubt Nakamura will probably wrestle this match as a heel, but are, are we kind of like done with heel Nakamura? Is it time for him to eventually turn babyface again? I
1: mean, he's so cold right now. Um He needs something. I feel he'll be refreshing. a heel for this for this program with Ballard at least. Yes. Yes. And then we'll see where he goes from this. Um Yeah, the heel turn certainly hasn't really taken. I thought it was a kind of um, a refresher for him. I thought he was going to kind of thrive in it. But, I mean, he's really become such an afterthought on this show. So this is at least kind of um, a shot in the arm for the guy to have a good opponent, one that he has a history with. And hopefully they'll get time at the pay-per-view. They should. So this could be something he desperately needs. Miz was shown still selling in the ring. And then our next match was Bailey and Nikki Cross in Alexa Bliss's uh, number one contender opportunity. Bailey did an insert promo. She knows the real Alexa and how she operates, which is why she was able to beat her at Stomping Grounds, and she gladly accepts Nikki's challenge tonight. And this did feature the commercial. Bailey missed a dive to the floor and just crashed. Cross capitalized with a reverse neckbreaker. Then Bailey comes back. She goes to the top, missed a high cross. They trade crucifixes, and then uh, Bailey ends up running with a knee that doesn't really connect with Nikki. Goes for a maestral cradle and cross blocks it, hooking the leg and pins her at six fifty one. So Alexa Bliss gets her rematch with Bailey. Uh, the rematch we were all waiting.
0: Um. Yeah, I guess so. Some of us were. I uh, with weapons though this time. Maybe, a great. Co- maybe R- hot. Great. Let, let's put Alexa Bliss in a weapons match. That sounds wonderful. Maybe a hot coffee match. Oh. Yeah. Second degree
1: burn match. A second degree
0: burn match. Yeah.
1: I don't yeah. know. I, we'll talk about this more on the double shot, but man, after watching that 365 special, and like we were talking about, you know, the turnbuckle spots that they have Alexa take, like, I don't know, it's like very worrisome to... See Alexa Bliss. Uh I, I really hope there's not some crazy stipulation added to this because it's very much a story heavy program with Nikki and Alexa. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I- know. I understand you can't like um completely foolproof these matches, and it is there is a physical element to it, but I don't see why you have to go above and beyond. But
0: I mean extreme rules might call for it. In their case with that uh corner um powerbomb or or is it suplex? Yeah. Suplex spot. I, I think do, it was a German. She took the
1: last time yes. that we talked about it.
0: I do wonder if it's kind of like a Kodobushi Ibushi thing where like the person who's taking it really understands the mechanics of it so much that they feel completely safe with it because it's it's not even something Bailey does to everybody else. It's just a spot that she has with Alexa. So clearly it's probably Alexa suggesting it maybe even just obviously okaying it. So she obviously feels very confident taking it despite her issues, um, you know. But again Kodobushi feels probably very confident about taking some of those bumps that he's been taking too I mean it's-, it's just the ones where
1: you're going backwards so you don't know when the impact is coming that make me a little squeamish and especially with the head that mm-hmm. I, I it's just like why you know what I mean it's not like anyone reacts to that spot it's yeah. just it's as you know as routine as a clothesline in an Alexa Bliss match I don't think it's
0: I, I don't know it's just Especially watching that special. It was like, why? Why would you even risk that? Well, you figure like, you know, if anybody was to be concerned, you would figure it would be the WWE and, and their doctors probably being the first ones kind of raising some concern about them continuously doing something like that. Definitely. Um, and the fact that they haven't stopped them from doing it. I don't know. Maybe suggests that they they were able to convince them that it's not as dangerous as it looks. Perhaps. I don't know.
1: Carmelo was in the back looking for R-Truth. She ran into Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. They argued. Truth was hiding behind these hockey boards that were in the back. And then Drake Maverick walked in like he had just been uh, has lost everything in his life, which disheveled. is his gimmick. Yeah. yeah. Down all disheveled. Up. His life is in shambles. He told R-Truth that you ruined my special day. I spent all of my mother-in-law's money on that wedding <laughs> and I've got nothing. You've ruined my life. And Truth consoles him. He thought it was Carmella's wedding, not his. And he tells Maverick, if this means so much to you, go get a referee. And as Maverick signals for one, Truth yells, "Psych!" And he loves this title more than Drake Maverick loves his wife. And then all the geeks come running and Truth takes off while Maverick just sits
0: on the ground sulking. Like, on paper, this was, like, such a really stupid, simple segment. But, like, I thought in execution, it was great. Like, it was funny. Um, Didn't require any pinfalls. Didn't require any title changes. It was just, like, uh, Drake Maverick kind of showing the character he has. And then Truth basically kind of being, like, the Homer Simpson of the division. uh, And making people laugh. So, I... These two are becoming great rivals. And who would have thought, you know, for this belt? Why doesn't Drake Maverick enlist his team to help him get this title, AOP? I'm guessing their contract ended. Because AOP no longer, like, comes out with them. What happened to them? They showed up on SmackDown last week. They were outside Baron Corbin's door. (laughs) And we got nothing. It's a great question. They probably just are waiting for, like, the right opportunity to to re-debut him. They're waiting for the authors of their story. Do you think they, they have a manager when they return?
1: Uh, I think that it helps them to have one, but it has to be the right one. I don't think Drake Maverick is the right one. Not to be anymore. honest, no. Paul Ellering was the right
0: one. I thought he worked really well with those guys. Sure. Is um, there anyone is, is there anyone that comes to mind for you that could work? I was going to ask you. You know what? Like, I mean, we kind of joked uh, because of her name, but I, think, I wonder how Paige would have worked with those two. Because I don't know how Page is working with the Kabuki Warriors, but like a Page and sort of like a, you know, more of a heel's <laughs> Oh, right, role. the Page and author's
1: joke. Yes, yeah. yes,
0: yes, I got it. But Page is like uh, sort of a, a more of a heel kind of leading to big, larger dudes. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But they have a lot of like kind of untapped, you know, uh, talent that's in the back. Uh, Stokely Hathaway is a part of their system right now. Stokely Maybe. would be great with those two. Probably too soon, but yeah. Yeah. I I mean,
1: they have more managers now in their system. Like, it seems like it's something that, at least at at the NXT level, that they are very much have a more open mind towards um, where necessary. Wasn't it strange that last week we did the angle with Paige and the Kabuki Warriors setting up the match with the Iconics? Mm -hmm. And you know what? I guess they had to last week because they were not available this week on SmackDown. They probably have left already. So that does make sense. But it was just strange. Like, that wasn't even touched upon tonight. And it Nor was set it up last week. show. Like on the Japan Yeah, and show it's for. not even... Like, they didn't even let you know, like, is it going to... I'm sure they'll air it maybe in highlight form next week, that, that match. But it's very strange.
0: I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just done to sell tickets in Japan for the people that watch in Japan. I'm not so sure. It's kind of odd, unusual that they would even promote that show on TV or make mention of it on TV.
1: No, it doesn't exist beyond that Iconics match. Uh, and I guess the the fact that several like Alexa Bliss and them were on their way to Japan that they mentioned uh, Ember Moon and Sonya Deville really short match it was all Moon
0: pretty much acting like a like a werewolf I think that's she, her character now she's you mean in the match or her entrance because she's always done the
1: I thing. mean more so in the match now like that's her style she's like she's yelling aggressively. I think they want her to like amp it up beyond just the entrance. Like I know the entrance she's always done.
0: (laughs) Well, you just kind of giving me visions of someone with Joe possibly coming out with a shark fit and just like (laughs) maybe his hand on his head as he's like you know kind of underneath the ring on the yeah. Uh, Everybody's got to have a spirit animal. I love it. Actual animals. (laughs) Animal. They're animorphs. (laughs) (laughs) They're all becoming animorphs. Uh, She had a
1: discus lariat. Then uh, DeVille was sent to the floor, and this is where she howls, and then as she's on the apron, she gets distracted by Mandy, so DeVille shoves Ember into the post. This looked to be the safer version than what they did with Sarah Logan and Dana Brooke last week that busted open Dana, because Ember clearly gets her
0: hand up here, um, yeah, and then got pinned in a minute 20. Short match, you know, um, but you know it's either this, or a two out of three falls match, like kind of pick your poison at this point i I think I prefer especially for a feud that's not necessarily that hot that they just go this this brief, okay, <laughs> oh yes,
1: then we go to
0: <laughs>
1: what is becoming one of the we, high or low points of my wrestling intake, every this
0: might week. be the last one i'm 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 actually kind of sad, holy Christ. Alistair Black is in his room. Now he's like, like he sounds like he's like a coke addict or something. He's turned into like a crazy rambling man. And the idea is that he's, he's become so frustrated that nobody has knocked on his door that he's just kind of like, you know, become really upset. But he, instead though, it just, it comes across like he's just more just a bit, bit of a lunatic um, in a room by himself. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not funny at all. I've been seated
1: here for weeks on end. I just want someone to come in here and fight me. That's all I'm asking for. He says that he cannot be the only condemned person that walks these halls, which we've established he doesn't walk these halls. He's in this goddamn room. That's why no one sees him. Maybe if he was walking the halls, someone would jump him. He says, not one singular person who is man enough has come to pick a fight with me. And then the lights go out and there's a knock on the door and he takes a deep breath and has this look on his face and then we cut. <laughs> the hell? Well, do, do we have to in? wait till next week to see who is at the door? How is this recorded? Is he going to tell us what happened? <laughs> was uh, this just like the janitor?
0: Was it Drake Maverick looking for our truth. What was going on? Somehow they're going to transport the entire room containing Alistair Black to the next city that they're in. Um and then the person will have to knock again before we get the answer, I guess. I don't know. Oh um, god. Yeah, I don't I just don't really know how we got to this point cuz Alistair Black went from like being really cool to just I think lately totally cringe. With some of this overacting that he's been having to do um I haven't really been buying it i I think it's taken the all the coldness out of him um I'm at the very least glad we're it seems like we're getting an end to these do you do you have any ideas who it might be
1: uh i i mean who 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 would make sense like i I don't know if he's gonna go into some like big program right out of the gate. I, I think like you just need kind of a showcase for this guy to have someone in there that's competent that he can get a win over. Um, is he a heel or baby face?
0: I assume a heel. Yeah. Ju- judging by these vignettes, you would think heel. Um. Okay. Anyway, remains to be seen. Main event is Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler,
1: two out of three falls. The announcers are questioning if Kofi can keep up this pace. He's had matches the last two nights. He was attacked by Samoa Joe, and Dolph Ziggler did not wrestle on Raw, and
0: therefore he's fresh. I mean, like, we we have seen a lot of Kofi, like, in the past three days. I feel like I've seen, like, five Kofi Kingston matches. So, you know, he's great, but I, I do worry about overexposure for some of these guys.
1: So, Ziggler tries to cover him, using the rope for... Uh, leverage and kofi then catches him with a sunset flip in three and a half minutes as tom phillips announces we are going to have to reset
0: yep did you reset yeah i reset my uh system i saw the loading screen everything
1: well before ziggler reset he threw kofi into the barricade and hit the zigzag on the floor so then we go to commercial and officially reset we come back. Ziegler misses a splash, but then hits a super kick and pins Kofi Kingston in 21 seconds. Yeah. So we are tied now. Bell rings. He takes Kofi's back. Um, they went a bit of time here. They went eight minutes for the third fall. Um, Kingston was delivering chops. Uh, we go through a bunch of near falls. A Famouser was stopped with a spinning powerbomb by Kingston. Then the Trouble in Paradise was avoided. Kingston gets sent into the corner. Ziggler hits the zigzag. Kingston kicks out of that. Then ducks a super kick. He takes two tries at the Trouble in Paradise. Eventually spins to land it on the final try
0: and pins Dolph Ziggler. And the show ends. Dolph Ziggler has been disposed of. Finally, yes, yes. I mean, I thought it was a solid match. I actually thought it was better than Sunday's cage match. Um... I feel like the two out of three stipulations worked better for me this week because for one thing, they told you beforehand that this was, you know what to be expected. It wasn't just kind of like things that came out of nowhere. Like we saw with the uh, AJ versus Ricochet with like Ellis and Anderson coming out for no reason. They didn't blindside you with these commercial breaks. Like by this point, I think we all expected, you know, this was what was going to happen. Um, I, I also think that, that it actually built to some drama for that final pinfall. Um, It kind of made it feel a bit more important. And I'll say maybe a good byproduct of of all this stuff that's been happening with the commercials is that we're getting matches that are seemingly a lot faster. Um, People are having to go out there and wrestle like, you know, like quickly now because they have to justify finishes uh, immediately. So I I'm noticing far fewer rear chin locks, Um, you know, your heat spots aren't necessarily just guys, like, putting on rest holds anymore. It's it's people going out there wrestling fast so that they can justify finishes. That's been a good byproduct. Um, I feel like it worked better on this show because we only got two instances of it uh, versus, you know, Raw when they tried to be like overly cute with like every excuse to try to jam a commercial break in there. Uh, this match I, I thought it was fine.
1: Yeah, um, I, I thought the third fall, they, it seemed to be the, the best, uh, I think it was the best the, the their matches clicked, which I, I don't feel they really have all that well, these last two pay-per-views. So this is not a feud that I am sad to see moving on from, and now Kofi moves on to uh, the great white Samoa Joe.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: All right, tonight's show, we go to forum.postwrestling.com. And the forum voted tonight a 6.2. A significantly stronger show than Raw from our mm-hmm. forum. Our feedback. First, Paul from New Jersey. No more Shane. Real piss poor episode of SmackDown. The two out of three falls commercial gimmick is bizarre and stupid. Sonya and Ember aren't over. Black's promos are just hilarious. Dolph's music hit and I groaned. My highlight of the night was Spud and Our truth which probably is not a good sign.
0: We go to Hagaki, who says, SmackDown didn't feel as jarring as Raw with the resets, maybe because my feed has the matches that play during commercials. I will say, having two two-out-of-three-falls matches in one show makes it hard for me to suspend my disbelief, and just makes me imagine Vince and the writers storyboarding the show. Question for Cowboy Waiting and Maverick John Pollock. Without Google, can you remember the last two-out-of-three-falls match that ended with two falls?
1: Last week. Yeah, didn't they do, just do one? Like... Um Monday the even? one with uh with the Miz. Was that Monday? Uh no, I think it was like last week where they did the Miz and uh it was Elias. Didn't Elias lose two falls last week?
0: Um if you really wanted me to go back to my notes, I can. I mean the main event last week on SmackDown was like Zane. Um King Kingston and Rollins beat Owens and Zayn in two straight falls last week. Yes.
1: So there you go. A week ago. Mike from Minnesota. I am already over this whole every match is either best, of two, best out of three or starts out as a tag match or one-on-one match and then is restarted as a multi-tag. For the life of me, I cannot understand why they think the major issue is commercials getting in the way of the matches. TV should be for the storylines. The pay-per-views are for the wrestling. Why does Shane need to be in so many angles instead of the Shane Miz crap? Why can't we get Buddy Murphy, Finn Balor, Alistair Black, AOP, the Iconics, or any of the other talent that is never on TV anymore? I don't know. Just seems like Vince may have lost his touch a bit. This should not be rocket science,
0: more and better storylines on TV with great wrestling matches. That means something on pay-per-views. They definitely seem to have like some type of quotient for like, you know, putting who they consider to be stars on their TV throughout these segments. Um, that's why I think you're getting so many people involved in more than one match. Why you're getting people involved in long segments through commercial breaks just so that you could justify having, you know, a, a Kofi Kingston on like multiple segments throughout the night. Uh, and maybe Shame and Command to them is is one of those top stars. I I don't even doubt that. He, he is one of the, the people they consider to be a star, better more so than Aleister Black or Buddy Murphy or the Iconics. So I think that's just kind of what you're dealing with. Yeah. Buddy Murphy's a weird one because,
1: like, he's just got nothing, nothing going on at all. Like, it's, yeah. I don't even know why they called him
0: up. Same with Cedric, you know? Like, the two line
1: I mean, at guys. least he's in the, tw- I'm not saying it's a positive, but he's at least one of the geeks on TV. Buddy isn't even that. He's
0: just never on screen at all anymore. I, I mean, usually when they're not on TV for this long, my hope is that they're set, like, getting ready to to debut him with something of substance, but I'm not so sure. With Buddy Murphy Yeah Um, We go to Andrew from Cape Breton Who says So I figured out who knocked on Alistair Black's door For weeks Alistair had been begging Someone to knock on the door And who's there? Braden Walker oh, <laughs> He'll man. knock Alistair's brains out The whole gimmick is awful and made worse when the 205 Live general manager is willing to pick fights with people, but this guy isn't. I'm also interested with where they might end up going with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. They dealt with racism decently this year with Kofi and WrestleMania, but I still have my skepticism with how they would handle an LGBTQ storyline. The whole match with Ember also... Well, there's not really anything to to suggest that this is going to be an LGBTQ storyline. Yet. Um, the whole match with ember also wasn't realistic as if you smash up someone's nintendo switch you're likely to get your throat slit maybe ember is just that nice of a person but yeah decent show overall six out of ten question what are your thoughts on the seth rollins will osprey situation as rollins tweeted a bit yeah he says personally i love it the whole thing is a glorified dick measuring contest and you have two guys who feel they are big stars stars and are talking shit i really like that in my wrestling Sadly, now I want to see the match between the two, but won't get that. I missed that from when WCW was around. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I mean, I don't think these guys are doing it to build up to a match. Because that match cannot happen. But if you enjoyed, cool. Brandon from Oshawa.
1: I get the beginning of Rewind to Raw now. You two are aiming to nail that opening in two out of three <laughs> tries. Please don't eliminate yourselves from the show next. <laughs> you did a very good job with that. I, was, I, I chuckled way. It's very funny. Oh, I don't know
0: what you're talking about. Oh.
1: I was falling in and out of sleep during the middle of the show, but I could have sworn I saw someone knock on Alistair Black's door, and he just sat there and smiled. That wasn't just a dumb dream I had, was it? He's been sitting there for weeks, begging for this, and he doesn't have the decency to answer it. I kind of feel sorry for Tucker. I don't know if Otis is ever going to be a main event level guy, but it's clear he has a lot more going for him and feels like someone Vince will have more interest in going forward, so Tucker better hope Heavy Machinery sticks around for a while. Is Kevin Owens the smartest guy in WWE or is everyone else just really stupid to keep trusting this guy? I want him and Zayn to win the tag titles, not break up, but I don't know what to think after tonight.
0: I'm not sure either. I don't know if they have any plans for them to be any any type of substantial program. Um, the title run, not while Rowan and, and Brian are champions. Um, maybe eventually. I, I still believe like that
1: Kevin Owens could be a really strong star. And I, I just feel he's a guy that is as much TV time as he does get. I still feel he's, they're just missing certain things with him and especially his skill set. that
0: uh, especially as a personality. I completely agree with you. Um, that said though, I feel like since his comeback, they've kind of ran through like his value really quickly. And I feel like if he's going to challenge for a title again, it, He might have to take a bit of a break from it. Maybe a tag title run is like the right thing for now. We got a Terry from Colorado. He says he was at the house show a couple weeks ago. Nakamura versus Balor was the opener. If they can have a match like they did at the house show, we're in for a treat.
1: Cool. Uh, I guess so.
0: All right. uh, Let us continue here.
1: All right. We have a bunch of random questions here. I'm going to take one. Was this the first time that Kofi's been pinned since becoming champion?
0: Um, I guess if you consider that a pinfall in a two out of three falls match. um,
1: It was, yeah, that was a, that was a sure. loss. But it was taking a fall. I mean,
0: he's been very protected since winning that title. He did take a, a pinfall, but like, I don't think it hurts him in the least. Like, I don't even remember it, to be quite honest with you. And I just finished watching the show. So it's not a loss that they're dwelling on. it's not certainly not a loss they're making a big deal out of, and I don't I don't really think it it hurts Kofi to lose in a two out of three to take one pinfall loss and by way of cheating, I'm looking here,
1: and I don't believe he has lost a fall uh, since March prior to WrestleMania when he got pinned by Daniel Bryan in a gauntlet match on SmackDown. Right. So I guess this would be the first
0: fall he has taken since winning the title. But again, you know, this is like, these are casualties when you're trying to promote like a conclusive finish before every commercial break. So,
1: yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, you've kind of introduced this and like, I, I will prefer to see a champion get pinned for a reason. Uh, this was pretty much the reason was to go to break to a third fall on a TV right. match. Yeah. Um, I mean, you do have the built-in story with him being uh, beaten down by Joe the night before.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean, it was done because of the two out of three falls stip. Finally, we got a ben D- ventak from Mumbai who says, This whole no wrestling during commercials is already wearing, wearing thin on me. Why do they have to complicate things so much just to avoid wrestling during commercial breaks? You have a two out of three falls match for Elias and Miz. What did we do to deserve that? Why is Shane there in every other segment? There result- was a there was not a lot I liked about the show. The main event was fine and all, but there was no way Dolph was getting added to that match at Extreme Rules, which I guess is a good thing. Have you guys seen this stat floating around on Reddit? After tonight, Kofi is 21-0 and 0 since becoming WWE champion. This includes tags, countouts, DQs, etc. In comparison, Seth is 11-3 and 3 since WrestleMania. <laughs> Kofi comes off as a much better champion than Seth. Seth needs to get off Twitter. Maybe, uh, maybe Shane can excuse me maybe shane can feud with okada on twitter about who's the best in the world okay yep um i mean i don't know if these records um what do they mean what do they mean to you john
1: uh to me it's something that could be a tool if you promoted it but i don't think anyone knew that going into this so it's not i don't think anyone takes any of that seriously to me it's um it could be something. I mean, you could have made a big deal about Kofi has been unblemished since winning this title. He is not you know, he's he's on the best roll of his life and you could have that be an aspect of the story, but it's not. It's not pushed as anything. So I I, I don't look at this this loss tonight meaning anything because they didn't make it out to be anything mm-hmm. prior. So.
0: Same, so same with Seth, you know, being eleven and three, I mean you wouldn't really kinda know that he was of any less uh, value in terms of uh, wins or losses than Kofi. So. Yeah, and you could argue that when when you make that
1: such a a non part of your programming, I mean that you know that that's a tool to get people over. It's a story that you can gravitate towards, and people do get into records. And I think that's something that you know I think people have this fear that AEW it's going to be just all these stats, and it's going to be. I mean, there is a way to use. Statistics that can really... It can, it can build up things. I mean, some of the biggest stories in wrestling of the past 20 years were, you know, a guy winning every year at WrestleMania or uh, Goldberg getting over to the degree he did and also learning when they started to fuck around with the record and make the number up. It lost its... It it, it wasn't as over after after that. But fans do get into this stuff if you are able to kind of lead them along the way as well.
0: It also though, is is a device that I think requires somewhat uh, long-term planning, which yes. I don't know if you can rely on right now with, with the current way they, the WWE is handling its production. Yeah, it's it's very difficult if you pitch an idea that
1: Kofi is going to win every match with the Trouble in Paradise for the next two months, and it's going to lead to uh, a match at SummerSlam where we're going to have this other challenger go through all these guys, throw out a name, Aleister Black is going to win Seven weeks in a row with the black mass and then these two guys with their unstoppable records are going to meet at SummerSlam. And then in week two, well, we're doing a two out of three falls match. So Kofi's got to lose a fall tonight. And it's like, well, then everything falls apart. It's like that's kind of the frustration that you run into when things can just get changed on a whim, even if you do have a long term idea of where you can take something. Yeah. All right. Is that all our feedback? that's it all right thank you everybody we appreciate it and we're going to be back on wednesday night with the double shot so if you're a member of the post wrestling cafe you can catch us on wednesday night our third of oh god our our fourth of four straight nights
0: going back to sunday four straight nights wow we're almost like uh on the wwe circuit oh my goodness yeah these are uh what can i say Have we had more shows than Will Ospreay has had
1: matches this year? Have we had as many shows as Baron Corbin has had matches? He's apparently the real
0: Iron Man. I would say yes to both of those.
1: Can can we be honest? I thought Baron Corbin came off great with that tweet. I thought it was hilarious.
0: Yes, sure. In a Baron Corbin
1: way, why not? It's funny when it comes from Baron Corbin. Yeah. All right. Thank you to everyone for listening. Um, Quick mention, postwrestling.com slash live our Post Wrestling Live in Toronto show, Sunday, August the 11th. We hope to see many of you there. 1 o'clock p.m. and the day prior, it's a big SummerSlam weekend. Brayden Harrington and Davey, Davey Portman are going to be doing their up-next takeover tailgate party, and you can go get all that information, wrestling.com, click on the button that reads NXT Tailgate, and find out how you can go hang out with Brayden and Davey.
0: Very exciting. Yeah, a bunch of buttons right now up on postwrestling.com, including for the G1 contest as well. Is this our record for buttons? We This might be a button uh, record, yes. You you only have one slot left. I mean, there's nothing, to, well, we there's nothing have, else. We could have a million buttons if we wanted. Oh. Come, come with something right now? Do you want a button for, I don't know. Well, I, I know I'd
1: have to give you my request three months before I would accept, expect the button, right? <laughs> You've got to craft it, you've got to design it, you've got to redo all the HTML, yes. all the coding, um, then you've Sweden. got to send it
0: overseas. Yeah, to Sweden, yes. Yeah.
1: But you're 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 very efficient with it. I, I I know
0: people. Oh, okay. Well that's good.
1: All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh check out the British Wrestling Experience on Wednesday and then the double shot Wednesday night. All that great stuff. Postwrestling.com. Goodbye. Good night.